Hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe every area of your life has a little more potential you can tap into and that it is completely possible and available for you to get a little bit better in every area of your life. I am your host, Clarissa Parody, and I have trained and worked in the worlds of business, strategy, leadership, and performance. And I'm the person who believes and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. And if you are the type of person who wants to get a little better, whether it's in your personal life, your professional life, your love life, you are in the right place. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Better podcast. Again, I'm your host, Clarissa Parody, and today I am here with Andrew Walashin of Molly Wally Woodworking, and you can find him on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, and I've known Andrew for a while. We've been in and out of each other's lives, and I probably see his kids accidentally more often than <laughs> I see him. He is currently a part-time grade four teacher as well as a part-time woodworker specializing in fine hardwood furniture. It is beautiful. It is so beautiful. He has slowly yet surely navigated a transition from a public service work into more of an entrepreneurial role with many ups and downs along the way. Andrew continues to build his woodworking skills as well as his knowledge around establishing and growing his small business, Molly Wally Woodworking. When he's not in his shop, he's kept busy with his two children, Molly and Oliver. Welcome to the show, Andrew. I am so excited that you are here. Hello, hello. Thank hello, you. Hello, hello. Well, what a journey. I can remember when I met you, you were getting hired to coach and teach sports. We were yeah, it was the hockey, hockey program. Yeah, the hockey program. And I can remember being like, this guy's so prepared. He is for sure going places. <laughs> and I went to my boss and was like, he's hired <laughs> like, as far as I'm concerned. And so from the beginning, I noticed you had a spark in you. You had vision, you had ability to execute so it's so, I mean, then you explored that path with education and then you brought in that entrepreneurial role. Like what a journey. Walk me through how you, how this unfolded for you. Yeah. So I kind of think like for me, public service stuff has always been in the bloodline. Uh, we've got a ton of teachers and nurses and, and stuff in my family. Um, so that was kind of had always drawn me to that side of things. Um, I originally thought maybe nursing was the best way to go. And then realized that my uh, not 92% average coming out of high school wasn't going to cut it. Uh, so I did a uh, two-year police diploma at Grant McEwen. And so again, kind of public service stuff. Um, and then after I finished that, I decided instead of applying for EPS, I was going to uh, go into my ed degree. And so, yeah, finished that. And along the way, met you, worked, uh, worked day camps and did some hockey stuff for City of Edmonton. And um, yeah, and then when I graduated, I was lucky enough to kind of walk right into what would many would consider a dream job, teaching grade three with Parkland School Division. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the role or the way that I got there. Um, so I taught grade three for four, no, five years, and then I transitioned. I finally passed the PAT and moved up to grade four. Um, so yeah, I taught grade four for now six years. and. Uh, yeah, it's kind of slowly transitioned. I wouldn't say out of teaching, but uh, kind of taken a bit of a step back and a, a bit of a break from it. So what, uh, like, first of all, time flies when you're having fun. Now yeah. that I hear that time, I was like, it's been a minute since we've actually talked. It has wow. been a long time. Yeah. And so you, what started, like, you're, I mean, you, I know you were playing with things and making things, but what even got you playing with what? Yeah. Um, 
for me, it was the, we needed, we bought a new house. And so we needed some things made and it was a combination of, you know, newly married, new careers, not having a ton of cash sitting around. Um, so we went to a few stores. And I'm like, this stuff is just junk. Like, it's just horrible. So you're paying, you know, whatever it might be, five, $600 for a coffee table that's going to last you kind of five or six months. So I thought, well, you know what, maybe I'll try to make something. So I did a bit of research and um, actually was lucky enough, my parents' neighbor that lives right behind them had a pretty good wood shop. And so uh, he was nice enough to kind of show me the ropes a little bit, show me some some tools and kind of help me build our first coffee table. And uh, yeah, I just, I kind of fell in love with doing it, the process um, you know, taking those raw materials and turning it into something that could be used really kind of drew me into it. And I mean, we still have that coffee table at our house now. Um, and then from there, I, you know, was lucky enough where I was still in a full-time teaching contract. So starting a business and, uh, and doing things when you have that kind of nest egg, that guaranteed salary is a lot easier, no doubt about it. So I started making a few cutting boards and, and then all of a sudden people were like, oh, I'd buy one. How much would it be? Uh, so I sold a few cutting boards and, and since then it has, uh, has spiraled, or spiraled out of control and into much larger items and, and much larger orders. Oh, that is so fun. That is so fun. And to, uh, to have someone that is willing to mentor you and give you that space to learn is pretty powerful. Okay. So you're doing this, you're working full-time. You yeah. have children and you're at the time, at the time I didn't, but yeah, like when I kind of started saying, you know what, I'm going to start selling things. That's when right around when Molly was born, which is where, uh, where I got that name from. So half of it is Molly. And then the Wally part is a lot of kids in my school cannot pronounce my last name. So <laughs> a bunch of them just call me Wally. So I, I put those together and, uh, that's where the, the, that's where the name came from. I love it. I love it. That is so, that is so powerful and passionate. I love that you just, sometimes you take the inspiration that's right before you. And you move forward with it. And so what I loved is that you ran into something. I mean, what's the markup on MDF? Like 500% when you oh, laminate it. Like right it's, now, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm in the middle of rentals and I'm like, oh, maybe we wait. <laughs> like I'm sure that your costs have gone up by 25, oh, it's, 30%. It's, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. And I, I look at it and I'm like, I, the, thing, the thing that I don't love is that I feel like what's missing is like heart and soul and quality. Like I feel I... And I just wish it had story and character. And I look at some of the furniture pieces that I have in my house that my grandpa made me when I was like looking for, I was like, I need a bookshelf that fits in a corner that can hold my textbooks, but that it also has a lockable feature so that all of my, at the time, like in university, I was like, I've got stuff that I don't want touched, specifically yeah. computers. And I was like, no, <laughs> I was the only one with a lot. I mean, back in the day, it was like <sighs> a, a laptop was a big deal. And now I can't imagine not having multiple laptops, but mm -hmm. at the time I had to lock it up and having my grandpa make that it still is in my house. Mm -hmm. And that's what 20 ish oh, years careful. later. I don't know. I mean, whatever. <laughs> you can find my birth date somewhere online. It's, there's, there's very little secrets these days, but it's, it was, it's shocking to me. Cause even now I'm like, well, here's what I need, but in order to get something that will have any sort of endurance at all, it's just, it's like a churn and burn. It's like, you get it, you use it. And it's literally, it's not even reusable. It's trash. In fact, but, it's funny that you say that like on Ikea boxes, it actually says not made for reassembly. So like in the description of, of whatever it is, if you look on the side where the barcode and stuff is, it'll say not made for reassembly. So they're basically saying if it's taken apart, don't even bother trying to put it back together. 
That is incredible. That is yeah. incredible. Okay. So talk to me about some of your, so you, you start making cutting boards. People want to buy your cutting boards. Yeah. Like I, I'm sure there's people listening who are like, how do you even go about pricing stuff? Like what, what happened for you to make this something that you all of a sudden were like, this could actually be a business. Cause I mean, time is expensive product yeah. is expensive. Yeah. So walk me through how that worked for you. So for me, I mean, again, being kind of a full-time teacher still at the start of this, um, was amazing because any money that I made from buy, from selling cutting boards, I was able to take that and just kind of dump it back into my own tools. So it started with some borrowed stuff. And then um, anytime that I made a sale, it was kind of like, all right, I'll start saving for the next jointer or the next planer or the big table saw that I want, whatever it might've been. So again, like it made things a little bit easier in that sense, because I wasn't relying on the money that I was making initially to support my family. Right. Um, so it was e easier for me to kind of build all of those tools that I, I really needed and, and get the kind of the, the nice stuff that I had always wanted. Um, I'm sure a lot easier than a lot of other people would have. Um, as for pricing stuff, you, that is still my number one um, hardest thing that I have to do. So for me, like I don't really have a set formula. I kind of look at the cost of materials and then add in some labor costs and some profit margins and, and look at it that way. Um, but without a doubt, not having that business, um, knowledge background of things is, is by far my biggest struggle. Interesting. Interesting. So how do you manage that? Like I, how do you go through it and, and make yourself better at that? Uh, a little bit of trial and error. So, you know, again, like one of your questions that you had had posed in your email was, you know, when do you feel, um, how was it worded? When do you feel like you're off track? I think is something yeah. like that. Um, for me, like. I, I like any small business owner, I think that you go through those lulls, the, the bit of a roller coaster ride where you think, oh man, this is never going to work. And then you go, oh, you know, making it rain, new vacations and all sorts of stuff. So um, for me with that area of trying to price things out, if I'm kind of short on orders and I'm sending out lots of quotes, then I know that maybe I'm quoting a little bit too high. Um, or if I'm quoting a little bit too low, it's like, well, now I feel swamped. So now mm. I've got, you know, 10 orders and I'm telling people it's a two and a half, three month timeline. Um, can I get all of those orders done? And so for me, it, it is a real struggle and, and still trying to find that kind of midway, um, where do I need to be? Where do I need to price things that I think is still, you know, a fair price for the quality that the person is going to get, as well as compensating me fairly for the time and effort and, you know, knowledge and tools and all of those things that I have to put into it. Totally. And craftsmanship is like one of, it's just, it takes such skill. There's actually, if you look at what is required from you to make sure like the table stands and it doesn't shake <laughs> and it looks good, or if maybe like, even when you teach hockey, what it takes to transfer weight from skate to like a side of the blade to side of the blade. It's like, it's incredible. So it, it, what we sometimes forget is that just because someone can do it, doesn't make it cheaper just because yeah. they're good at it. Yeah. Uh, the, the time and effort that it took to acquire the tools that it took to learn the skills, like, yes, you can do it faster, but it doesn't make it less valuable. And I think we have a mass production expectation. So when mm. you make 700 of the same shirt with one cut, it's like, well, of course your product is going to be cheaper if you're making yeah. 700 shirts with one cut. Uh, it, it's just not the same when you're getting that um, a quality of product. The other thing I really want to, I want to jump back to just for a brief second is you started when you were working full-time mm -hmm. and what I think is so important is sometimes I, even for me, when I started my business, I was like, well, I'm 
I know what I'm like when I'm a little bit stressed uh, and worried about making sure that, you know, the mortgage is paid and that everything else isn't falling in order. And I can make sure that I can still support the things I'm supporting and taking those incremental steps and seeing the next two feet in front of you. It sounds really like what you do. You're like, okay, well, I'm going to get my next planer. I'm going to get my next jointer. I'm going to do all these. And I think having the willingness to take the next step rather than worry about the absolute end goal. Because if if we focus on that, sometimes you get taken out of the game. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really powerful that you can do that. And it, I mean, even you said, you know, you didn't go to school. So pricing is hard. I'm like, I've worked in business now for like 15, 20 years. And I can tell you (laughs) that people, all of my peers have really great business degrees or MBAs, and they're still figuring out pricing. I like, so (laughs) I don't know if it ever gets solved. I don't know if it ever gets solved. I think it's one of those things that just moves and shakes, but I think your indicators of like volume of work and being able, like, where's that in between where you, your steady flow and you aren't overwhelmed and you're able to complete your product on time is such a powerful indicator. Who do you, who are you, who do you find is your like most likely customer? Like who, who are the type of people that come to you? Um, hmm, that's a really good question. Lately, it has been, um, a ton of people who are buying new houses and are kind of getting, it's been like younger couples, younger families who are excited to, to furnish that house. Um, so I think, you know, a big step for me has been going from people who are ordering, you know, maybe one bookshelf or one coffee table to now people who are ordering a dining table, a bench, three dining chairs, a coffee table, like they're ordering multiple things from me. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty cool. And that's, that's the client that I've had most lately. It's not the, the one-off it's the people who are looking to furnish, um, many aspects of their home. That is so fun. That is so fun. And the truth is like that product's going to last them forever. Like it's going (laughs) to, well, I mean, kids, dogs, things happen, but it's like, I've seen your product and it's literally remarkable. Like it's, it's beautiful. And I think, I mean, what a, what a great form of self-expression, what a great form of creativity, what a great form of like, like you're generating something in the world. I'm curious. I want to hear some of your ups and downs because you said you had a bunch. Yeah. So I want to, I want to hear about like, give me the drama, give me the tea, show me, (laughs) tell me what happened. Uh, so for me, I think, you know, starting in, um, with the, the making of the cutting boards and and working in my garage, you know, started with borrowed tools and, and, you know, not really kind of knowing what I was doing. All of the skills that I've learned are either through, you know, talking with other woodworkers in the Edmonton area, or even, you know, worldwide with social media. Now it's so easy, um, or watching YouTube. So a lot of the things that I've learned have come from, from watching some YouTube guys um, that do an amazing job, both building furniture, designing furniture, as well as explaining the skills that are, are required to, to get there. Um, but working for me, like looking at those videos when I first started and seeing all of the tools that they had, they had, you know, a 5,000 square foot workshop. Um, so it was easy for me to get a little bit discouraged at the start saying like, well, how am I supposed to make that or something similar when I have a borrowed table saw, an old miter saw, like I didn't have the required tools to make what I was watching. Um, so that was, it, like I said, it was easy to get discouraged at the start, but I think the more that I was able to sell and then I realized, wow, like I'm making a little bit of money here. I can start stashing it away. Um, I could see those next steps kind of falling into place. Um, 
but then, you know, you're working in a cold garage. Like I didn't have it heated at the time. There was almost no lights in there. There was um, no natural light because I've got no windows in the garage. So those kinds of things too, it's like, again, looking at what other people had and saying, well, that's nice that you can afford that and do that, but I can't, um, was easy to do. And I needed to make sure that I kept saying to myself, like, eventually, if this is what you want, you could, you could get there. Totally. Totally. So when you were in those moments of like, uh, how did you get, like, I mean, you, you obviously asked yourself, how do you, I will get there one day if this is what I really want, but yeah. in those moments, like, how'd you shake yourself out of it? I think for me, the biggest thing was reminding myself that I had people who were still wanting to buy my product, whether it was just a, you know, an $85 cutting board or a 400 or $500 or $600 coffee table. There were still people who were coming to me um, to buy my product. So that was encouraging as well as just the, the support system that I had. So, you know, I've got friends who are sharing things. I've got um, friends who are saying, you know, we'll buy this from you or my parents want this from you. So that made it, that was, that was huge. And of course, Aaron allowing me to just kind of do it whenever I needed to. And I mean, that's still the case. Like she's so good with taking the kids and, and going and doing some things when I feel like I need to pop out into the garage and, and get something done. So she's been a, a huge supporter of mine too. That's so powerful. And for those of you who don't know, Erin is Andrew's wife. Yes. And it, I think this is one thing where so often we can forget the importance of having people who are willing to give space for you to be, and, and to champion your visions and dreams. And it, you know, how many times do you have people go to their partner or their spouse and are like, I want to start this business and you get the, oh my God, really? Yeah. Like, or the not now not yeah. now. Yeah. And so talking about that journey, cause that, I don't actually know any part about that story whatsoever. So how did, how did those conversations happen? How did this unfold? How did, cause obviously it's working. You're, yeah. you've got, like what, what happened for you? So, you know, it's kind of funny, like, I mean, you know, Aaron well enough too, like she's definitely the more reserved, more quiet one of the two of us. I'm a lot more outgoing and, and boisterous. Um, but in this case with her or with this small business, she's been the one who's been like, do it like you love doing it you know take that risk try it um so when I was two years ago or two school years ago when I was first kind of thinking about taking the the leave of absence from teaching and doing this half time um I was scared as hell like I was like you know especially when you've got a family you've got two kids a mortgage car payment whatever it might be um it was a, a huge step for me and I, I was scared but she was the one who said the worst case scenario um, is you go back to teaching. Like it's a temporary leave. If this all blows up, you still have your teaching, go back. Um, so I, I think it's kind of interesting to think about how our personalities are so different, but in this case, she was like more like me and I was more like her. That's so fun. That is, yeah. Erin is a lovely human. <laughs> I know, like, super quiet. Like, I mean, seems super quiet very supportive, very cheerful. And I think that's so powerful. So one thing I like, one thing that I got out of that is like, I mean, for those of you who aren't married yet, um, ideally a spouse who believes in you and uh, recognizes what you like in the world. If you like, have there been any moments where you've had tension because of the business or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that a lot of it went back, goes back to the time that I felt like I needed um, to be out in the garage, getting things done. Um, that's going to cause some strain no matter what. So, you know, taking 
whether it was a, a Friday night or or a Saturday morning or Sunday afternoon, whatever it was, was where, and I can fully admit that I was taking myself away from my family to get that done. Um, so, you know, I, she does a very good job of, of maybe hiding it. Uh, I think that she might've been a little bit more, uh, more upset than she was showing, but, um, that's, that's for sure. The, the big one for us, um, with me trying to start this and, and get this rolling was, it was so easy to just walk out into the garage and try to get some work done at any point of the day. Um, and so when I was doing that, I, I was taking time away from the kids and away from her. Totally. And it sounds like you've, <clears throat> you've found a little bit more balance now. So what does that look like now for you? Well, so now I've uh, just recently, the last uh, month here, been in a dedicated shop space, which is off of my property. Um, yeah, so it's a, a huge step for me. It's about double the space, which has been incredible. Um, it's on someone else's private property. It's a, actually a really cute little barn that they had completely uh, redone. And Fine. so when I was looking at spaces, it was great because he was like, well, you know, I'm right in the middle of renovations. What do you need? What do you want it to look like? So I so said the big thing for me was lots of light. I needed, you know, lots of sunlight, natural light. So I've got three big or six big windows in there. He ran power where I needed it. It's got in-floor heating. Like it's, it's pretty cool. So, you know, with that now, um, it's created, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example, even last weekend where um, normally on a Saturday, she's like, oh, I'll just take the kids and we'll go do something. You can have some time. And I'm like, I don't need, I don't need it. I don't, I can't just jump out into the garage anymore. Um, no, let's go do something all together. So we were, you know, went for a nice bike ride. Um, so I think having that that dedicated shop space now has made a huge impact on that kind of being able to separate the business side of things with the family side of things. Um, and I, and I do like that separation. That's so fun. So for those of you listening, this is like the progression that happens. Sometimes it's in your kitchen. Sometimes wherever your workspace is and you do these micro progressions, you start with one tool, you acquire some tools, you get some more skills, you learn how to make a chair, and then you have some shop space, and then you add some light, and then you get a dedicated space. And these are all just incremental progressions. How long has this taken for you? Like this, this is clearly a journey. When yeah, did this absolutely. start for you? And now we're, how many years has this been? What's gone on? So it's been kind of five years of me selling things. And I think the last two and a half or three years has been where I've been like really trying to take it seriously. So I, when I was kind of looking back at my Instagram posts and, and kind of thinking of, of the things that we were going to discuss, I looked at my first dining table that I made was for a good friend of mine. I think that, you know, him actually, Sam Dean. Yes, I do. I do know yeah, Sam yeah, Dean. Yeah. yeah. So I, that was the first kind of big dining table that I made. Um, and so he was, you know, kind enough and nice enough to trust me. And they built a, a beautiful infill home in North Glenora there. Um, and so that was in 2019. And so in 2019, I did four dining tables. And then in 2020, I did, I think it was 11 or 12. And then in 2021, I did 45. Yeah. Like for the basic math, that's exponential growth. Like that's incredible. That yeah. is incredible. And I think it goes to show what momentum does when you start to see progress. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you have some sort of sense of fulfillment from this work. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there, like, there's the art of, achieve, or the art of, of a fulfillment and the science of achievement. 
and side, like the achievement side, we can measure for the most part. We can look at the numbers, we can look at the volume, we can look at the sales, we can look at the, the spaces change, the tools have changed, the resources I have are different or better or whatever. And that you can, there are, there's methodology to that, but if without fulfillment, there is very little. But if you look at Andrew now, your, your marriage is still together. You have healthy, happy children. You have an expanded workspace that's separate from the family. You've literally created boundaries around it, but it had some hustle at the beginning. It had that sunk cost of time and effort at the beginning. And it just goes to show that if you get there, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Even if it seems small at the start. Oh my God. It's sometimes a little pinprick. You're like, is that, yeah. is that, that might be dust. I don't know. It might be dust. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. So when you go on sabbatical, you take that leave of absence. Yeah. I know some people are like, well, if I know if I have a plan B, I don't really invest, but you'd said that you were like, I'm going to try to make this work. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did you lean in and keep yourself motivated when you knew you had a plan B? Um, oof, it's a hard hitting one. Um, I'm here for the feelings. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Um, I think part of it was that it was so different. Like, you know, my school life and and teaching for kind of the the 10 years that I've been doing, I knew what to expect. I mean, teaching every day is different. You've got different kids and personalities. You're you're managing all of those those things. But more or less, I kind of knew what I needed to do each day. so for me that, you know, becoming my own boss and, and, and thankfully I, I don't hate the guy yet, but um, knowing that I needed to stay motivated because if I didn't, then I was still just, I wasn't, how do I word it? I wasn't going to make the money back that I was losing from, you know, from taking that halftime leave. So that was a, a huge motivating factor for sure. But for me, it was more intrinsic in the fact that I wanted to see my skills grow. I wanted to see what kind of new products I could put out. I wanted to see if, um, you know, I could get those repeat customers or referral clients. Like all of those things are the, what really motivated me to try to always get better. That's so fun. That is so fun. So this is what I love. You asked for what you need. Like you literally, so you have this vision for this business and you you know you don't want to fully necessarily give it up because you want plan B. I'm a plan B gal myself. I like the plan B, makes me feel better. And rather than taking full leave, you took a half-time leave. Yeah. So so if you're listening, you ask for what you need, ask for the space you need to create what you want to create. Cause it's actually unreasonable for someone who's been in a career for 10 years to think that they can change. Like a lot of people get locked and loaded and say, mm-hmm. listen, I'm a teacher, I'm a marketer, I'm a real estate agent, whatever you are. Yeah. And they don't, they don't even think to try something new. And especially I found, I've, I mean, I've worked for government, I've worked for corporate and you can, you can really, you, when you're on repeat every day and you know how it goes, you've literally created a program for who you are, what you think you are and your identity. And to go in and change that, that takes, I mean, a willingness to, a willingness to change and a willingness to learn something. And there's not many people that would be like, yeah, I, I was a teacher and I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Like it's, it, that takes something that takes something. So tell me about how that mental model has shifted for you. Cause I mean, you said public services in your bloodline. And yeah, now- I mean, my, my dad, my mom, well, my mom was a, a teacher. In fact, the school that I'm teaching at right now is the first school that she taught at full circle. Yeah. So full circle. And she was an assistant principal here. And then she was a principal with our, with our school division for a long time. My dad is, you know, government, uh, he's the board chair for the natural resources conservation board. Um, NRCB. So he's government employee. I've got one brother who's a nurse. I've got my other brother's a plumber. So 
there's the public service stuff is like i said is definitely in our bloodline i think i've got in fact one of my cousins teaches at the same school as me we've got like my uncle who owned his own um engineering firm he always joked he's like if i had known i would have opened up a private school and just hired all of you guys like that's how many teachers we have in our in our family um so yeah kind of shifting that that mindset from that guaranteed salary guaranteed income pension benefits all those those beautiful things that come with public service work um to more an entrepreneurial role scared the shit out of me like it did honestly like i don't know how to navigate those waters fully yet um but having that 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 plan b like you've said many times it, it is nice um and i mean i i don't want it to seem like i've lost my passion for teaching because I, I do still love being in the school and, and seeing the kids and teaching things and seeing their faces light up when they when they understand that long division problem or, or whatever it might be um but I'll, I'll be the first to admit that i did see myself kind of sinking into that um, repetitive role. So, you know, I look back five or six years in my teaching and I, I was, you know, a friend of mine here that I still teach with, we were doing aquaponics in our classroom. So we had fish that were feeding, um, plant life that we had. So we had this huge in internal ecosystem going. We had, I had elders coming in from Enoch first nations, which is right, right close to our school and building a teepee in the classroom. So I was doing all these new and innovative, cool things in the school. And I was felt like I was starting to do less of that. Mm. Um, and so I think that the woodworking thing and going half time is a good way to kind of almost hit the reset button in a way. Like I, I've noticed still that I still have that passion for teaching, even though my passion for woodworking and that, that going this way, um, it, it's, it is pulling me that way. But, you know, when I really sit down and think about it, I, I do still love being in the classroom and, and seeing the kids. And I think that's really important that you give yourself permission to be multifaceted. Like just because you play soccer doesn't mean you can't play hockey. And yeah. so we get, we get so, I mean, this is the thing. And I mean, I've noticed it particularly in, I mean, I will, I've only ever lived in Western civilization, so it's what I know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, you say you're one thing, like if people, well, like, what do you do for a living is one of the first questions we ask people 100%. as, as if it means something <laughs> like, uh, are you asking, what do I do? Or are you asking, who am I? And it, those are two different questions. And I think when you can look at Andrew, who's a dad, who's a husband, who's a teacher, who loves learning things. Like, I mean, you're clearly, you're a, a prime example of someone who does lifelong learning and has a growth mindset because people who don't think that it's possible to learn wouldn't have started. Yeah. a business that required a significant yeah. amount of learning. Like literally would you walk in with like, I don't have tools. Like you're no one in your family <laughs> was working wood. And it's, it, it, you need to have um, a willingness to believe that you can learn stuff. And, I, I, and if you're listening, this doesn't just apply to your career. If you have a personality trait, like sometimes maybe you lack patience and you're just generally an impatient person. You can actually learn. You can flex that muscle. Most things in life are learnable. And if you allow yourself that permission, you can allow yourself also to be multifaceted and still love teaching and still love working and still love your wife and still, you know, whatever it is that you love to do. So I think that's really important to not ever think that just because you enjoy something else, it doesn't mean you don't enjoy the thing you originally did. Totally. And I think, you know, when I look at the short term, you know, I don't know what the business is going to bring me. Um, obviously, no, no crystal ball there. It seems like things are going to st still keep coming in and, and I've stayed busy. Um, 
But something that really excites, excites me is thinking about the possibility the at Memorial Composite High School in Stony Plain. Um, I've gotten to know the woodworking teacher there a little bit. And it, I mean, he's been teaching for 27 to 28 years. So I kind of, I, I sense that the end is maybe near for him. Um, so I think that that would be a role that I would love to give a shot and, and try to jump into is, you know, combining those two things. So I've got not only the woodworking skills that I've built up over the last, you know, few years, but now I also have a bit of a sense of how to run a, a business. I am by no means a pro in that area, but a little bit of a background in it. So if I could contribute both of those things to high school students in a, in a controlled setting in a school, I feel like that would be, that'd be pretty cool to show these kids that, you know, post-secondary can mean very different things. It doesn't have to be the stereotypical university route. You know, you could have a, some great woodworking skills and, and start your own business and, and go from there. Yeah. And I think we get caught up. I mean, in so many ways, the university degree is the new diploma, right? Mm -hmm. It's like required. I, I can remember looking at, it was just kind of like scrolling through job listings. Like what are the requirements now? Like what, I have no idea. Like I've been in my field for however long I've been in it. And I'm looking, I'm like, we, you want your office receptionist to have a degree? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what? It just seems like yeah. an incredible investment for something that maybe doesn't require that. And, and the illusion that you need a degree to do the job that you do. I mean, my degree for sure, I have two and they have helped for sure. But mm -hmm. the things I learned in my degree aren't necessarily the things I do in my job at all. And no. so all, I think all it shows is that I have tenacity and was willing to pay an, an exorbitant amount of money to yeah. like, <laughs> to get a piece of paper. And, yeah. and the, when you speak to like, oh, you like, you're not a pro at running your business. Here's the truth is that who, who knows, like people go to B school, go into real life and it's not what you're doing anyways. Like it, it's some business doesn't happen in a vacuum and yeah. you just need to be willing to test and retest and try. And that, that playful curiosity that you bring the willingness to experiment, the willingness to like, see if you can get it right. And I think also the safety net of having that plan B or that other side income to like make the teaching. Yeah. It, it, it allows you to learn from mistakes as opposed to be make, make decisions that of fear. You make decisions that of possibility, like, well, maybe this will work. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, Andrew, you're really cool. Do you know that? <laughs> you're really cool. I've gotten, and I mean, I've gotten lucky too, right? So, I mean, you know, whether it's friends supporting me and, you know, trusting me to build something for their house or, I mean, even last year I had a boy in my class whose mom owns um, Red Ribbon Boutique in Edmonton. It's Very on the cool. high street there. I've so, been. you know, she's, she trusted me to make a dining table for her house and a vanity for her house. And now I'm doing, she's moving into a new space. Um, actually, I don't know if that's public yet. Maybe I should, no. Yeah, she's opening a new space. Um, and so I'm doing a whole bunch of different fixtures for her. So a bunch of tables and benches and things that are, um, are going to be in her new store. And so, you know, she's been great in supporting the business side of things for me, like <laughs> through orders. Um, but she's also kind of helped me in the sense of like, hey, how do I pay myself now that I have this separate Molly Wally bank account? Like, so she, you know, she's been in, uh, she's been a small business owner for, I don't know. 15, 20 years. So she's been a good resource, um, you know, asking those kinds of questions as well. That's amazing. And, you know, you called it luck and I heard something, I don't even remember. I wish I would have saved it. Uh, the other couple of few weeks ago, it's like, you know, we often say, Oh, we're lucky. Like we got a lucky break, but the truth is there's probably a million little decisions in between. Like you made a good relationship. You made a connection. You were a yeah. great teacher. You, you helped a child and you did all these little things that led you to these remarkable experiences. 
And it's a reminder that sometimes we don't like, we're like, why can't we catch a break? Why can't we catch a break? And it's like, what are, what are the micro decisions you are making today? The little decisions that make a difference that literally can help you tomorrow. Like, is it, are you going to go on a walk for 30 minutes so that you calm yourself down mm-hmm. or so that you move your body and you're not as stagnant? Like those little decisions may not seem like anything, but let me tell you, they can completely transform your life and in unexpected ways. So micro decisions, I don't know. To me, it's just crazy. Like I, I think one of my favorite examples happened to me recently, literally on a walk. Uh, this guy has a dog, clearly a puppy. And like, I, I was, I had my headphones on. I was gonna like, listen to like some really calming music and just breathe. Cause I had a meeting and it went the way it went. And this dog kept catching up. And so I was like, okay, I'll let the dog run ahead. Clearly the dog's going to run. I just need some space. And then the dog stops. I'm like, you need to move because I don't want to be around humans. And sure enough, I end up talking to the owner and the owner has turned into a mentor for me because he's run several multi-million dollar businesses, has turned a few businesses, has now got like multi. And I'm like, wow, had I not chosen to go for a, go for a walk, had I chosen to just be like rude or brush it off and be like super annoyed by the dog, which by the way, was kick super the dog, cute. Yeah. kick the dog beat. <laughs> I, I could have done a lot of things, but I, I mean, I, I could have been, I was like, you know what, what if I'm just nice? What if I just choose to be like friendly and instead of being annoyed, maybe this is just, maybe, maybe the puppy is here to have me pet him so that I'm in a better mood. And that it, I, my first thought was what luck. And I'm like, but was it because I chose to go on a walk and I chose to do it at this time. And if I hadn't put myself in a situation where this was possible, if I stayed in my house and fumed, that's a choice. And so you don't know what your choices are going to lead to, but if you're not, if you're not in action, if you're not doing something, you may miss out. So I, I, I do think that you've had some favorable results, but I also think you've made some really favorable decisions. So good for you. And you know, you said like you chose to be, you said there, like, I'm going to choose to be nice to this man or this person. Like for me, I've had a few people more and more now kind of want to come out and see whether it's the shop or, or now it's the shop, but it was the garage. They wanted to come out and meet me before they ever really confirmed anything. They wanted to see what I was doing in person mm. instead of just seeing the posts on social media. And I think I had one, this the couple that has placed an order recently, um, they said that they had met with another, another builder who kind of just blew them off. Like he was acting, and I'll use their words, I said arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. So they get to his shop and they're looking through things and he's kind of just like not giving them the time of day, um, kind of saying, you know, what I'm doing is the best and, and don't even question it. Like, this is for sure what I what you should do, buy through me. Um, and just kind of gave off a, a bit of a negative, negative vibe. And I think that, you know, part of the teaching aspect of things is like people pleaser, you know, easy to talk to a little bit like so I think that goes a long way like just being nice and knowledgeable and easy to talk to goes a long way in this in the business side of things especially when there are other options out there so people can go shop around all all they want there are a bunch of really talented woodworkers in Edmonton Um, but if you have that ability to kind of you know just be nice and talk and I think that goes a long way yeah. Approachability changes everything. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things. It's like, well, you shouldn't have to be nice. And I'm like, yeah, but do you want to be like, we also get really upset if people are mean or discriminatory. So like, where's the line? Where's the line? And so my, my encouragement to people is, you know, like if you were kind 
and just created a little bit of relief in someone else's day just by being kind and nice mm-hmm. and like, like just being open. What would yeah. that, like, what could that do for the world? <laughs> well, especially if they're making huge decisions, right? Like, so if they're already stressed out, you know, they're moving into a new house, that's a stressful experience for anybody. You know, they're looking at spending a good amount of money on furniture. Like that's a, a high stress situ- situation. So I think that if you can go that extra mile and kind of ease their minds a little bit, that's, that's, that's huge for them. Yeah. And that's a value add. And in the world of business, you want to owe, like, you want your customers to not feel like they're just getting like the, that they're not, their value isn't just being met. So if they're paying $500 for a coffee table, they're not like, it was exactly worth $500. Mm-hmm. You want, you want to feel like the experience, like, and maybe it's not that the product is actually worth 700. Maybe it's that the experience was so good that you're like, I would absolutely go back. I felt relieved. I felt understood. I under, I, I understand how to care for the product. I felt like my needs were met. I felt served. And that takes not very much time, nor mm-hmm. much effort. It just takes a willingness. Yeah. And I think add a breath in there if you're having a day and all of a sudden <laughs> you're like, okay, well, you know, this, yeah. and, and you can change both of your days just by being kind. I think that's so great. I want to know what the, what the most challenging thing you've built is or has mm. been challenging thing. Uh, I mean, it could have been, you know, at the moment it might've been the cutting board the first time you made it, but like, yeah, it's funny. Like I wish that I had a picture of the first cutting board that I made. Um, I was trying to do it for my parents and I was like, going to try to surprise them. And it was going to be this beautiful end grain walnut purple heart cutting board. (laughs) I wish that I had a picture of it. It was so bad, Clarissa, like (laughs) horrible. And so I, I kept it around and it was a good reminder for me. Like I kept it in the garage for a long time and, you know, it was fun to kind of look back at it. I didn't take a picture of it and I should have, um, but it ended up going in the garbage. So it was probably, you know, a hundred dollars worth of material that just went into the garbage. Um, but I think the most challenging thing has been probably some of the, my bigger dining tables that involve the steel bases. So for me, like I, I used to pay, um, another local guy to do my steel work for me. Um, and then I got to the point where I'm like, I could, this could be my money. Like I'm paying him to do something that I could potentially do. So I bought a welder and learned how to weld off YouTube and, and from a, a friend of ours who runs the, the, the welding program at the high school. Um, so he's been great too. But, uh, so yeah, I think the first time that I did like a really complicated steel base was, um, a, a, a round, dining table a white oak round dining table that had what i call the campfire base so it had steel beams that would go in almost double x's and um it kind of reminded me of the the olympic torch too oh, okay um, but that's yeah that's by far the the most difficult most challenging one because it was just so many you know, making sure the angles were right and keeping things this and that's yeah that's by far the most challenging one for those of you listening here, hear me clearly be resourceful. So Andrew looks at the situation as like, I'm paying someone. And I mean, probably money well-spent, probably great product. Mm-hmm. But when you know that it's possible for you to learn it, he, and I mean, maybe at one point you won't have time to do all of the things. Maybe you'll just be pumping out volume and it won't look the same. Uh, but to be willing to learn and then find the people and get the tools and do the things that's called being resourceful. And that will change your results. <laughs> you got to look for the solution. And that is, that's really cool. I think I actually saw that picture and I was like, man, I'm, I want that. I love a good round dining table with steel bases. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a popular one for sure. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's like, I feel it. 
I've seen a lot of pictures of that kind of style. Round mm-hmm. seems to be very, I don't remember. This round's in right now. Round is really in. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, I remember not liking round tables for a long time because it reminded me of conferences. <laughs> 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 always at a round table and now i'm like no i must have one i must have one i know a guy that can help you out with that i, I oh, amazing maybe you should hook me up after this call yeah. <laughs> so great okay the other thing i wanted to ask you what was what is the ultimate vision like if you could if you could paint the like blue sky it have life your way what does this look like what does your next 5 10 15 20 years look like that's a question that i've been asking myself a lot lately <laughs> Um, you know, being at the halftime leave that I'm on right now, I have taken on as many orders as I can. Like there's no way that I could take on more orders and still produce the same product. Like I think, Mm. um, you know, my time in the shop when I'm there, it is eight, nine hours of me just like hands to the grindstone, just going hard. Um, so I really don't know what, what it looks like, um, I have been approved for a full-time year leave of absence for next year. Yeah, which, and they've made it perfectly clear. And I mean, my school division's great, um, but they've made it very clear that it will be my last leave of absence that they're gonna, they're gonna grant me. Um, so I have basically, I don't know, a year and a bit to kind of make up, uh, make up my mind on what, what I'm gonna do next. Um, Cause after, after next school year, it's, uh, should or get off the pot kind of time. I either need to come back to teaching or, or get out. So I don't know. Um, I think that if the job at the high school opens up where I can do the woodworking thing, um, that would be, that would be amazing. I could still, you know, take on a few projects a month kind of working um, just to, whether it's back in the graduate or still in the dedicated shop space um, and then, and be, you know, teaching woodworking in school. I think that would be very, very cool. So for those of you listening, what I'm hearing is Andrew has a year to produce stuff. So if you want yeah. stuff, <laughs> yeah, now right. is the time. And honestly, I mean, like what I've learned over the last little bit is what energizes you, what makes you feel alive and, and, and still sustain you is the place where I, I literally get the best results. And so if it lights you up, just go like to work half time, take on projects, learn new skills, still have a wife, still have kids. You, he couldn't, you couldn't possibly do that if it was exhausting you and emotionally depleting you and taking you out mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, like you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. You would, you would be a, a, a puddle of a human, a, 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 like a floating. Traffic. There are days. <laughs> I'm, and I'm sure there are, but yeah. for the most part, like if you can have, I think the biggest thing that I've learned, and maybe you share this is if you see progress, if I see either incremental growth in my learning or incremental growth in my results, and I notice a shift or a change, I'm like, oh my God, well, hold on. Well, mm-hmm. hold on. Mm-hmm. I did a presentation last week and I, I printed out the slides because some, I'm still 90 years old and I want paper <laughs> and I like, cause I'm also like on a screen and I can't, I'm sharing my screen. I don't want to jump but anyways, whatever I look. And I kind of thought it was a trash presentation. I separated myself from it. I happened to come across it this morning when I was organizing what I wanted to do with my life today. And I was like, wow, this was way better than I thought it was. And so sometimes those moments where we pause and step back and like, look at the cutting board from five, 10 years ago and look at the stuff that we build with the big steel base and look at the fact that we learned how to weld. All of a sudden you can find yourself refueled. You're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't even, I kind of forgot that I was good at this. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even though you know you're good, but sometimes in the moment, the frustration of like this again, oh my gosh, this isn't quite lining up. The glue didn't do this. Oh, yeah. is this person yeah. going to be happy? It takes you out. It takes you out, or at least it would take me out. And it, you kind of forget that. Totally. There's goodness there. Okay. I, I'm kind of curious. What was your favorite project to work on so far? We were like, wow. Uh, my favorite one has been the dining table that my dad and I made together. Yeah, so we made it for for their house, for my parents' house. It's a 10-foot-long, solid walnut dining table. Um, And then the base design on it was really cool. So it was a steel kind of trapezoid base that inside the trapezoid had a whole bunch of quarter-inch rod that was welded in and a bit of a pattern inside the base. Um, So, I mean, not only is the look of that dining table really cool, but being able to... My dad and I built the whole thing together. So he came over... I don't know how many days and you know we milled all the wood together we glued it all together he helped me with the the, the welding and the grinding and painting and all sorts of stuff so you know we got to spend a lot of good quality time together building things build or building that that's so i like i love that there's detail i love that you guys got to do something together and i think this also shows whether it's your parents or your kids or your siblings when you can work on something together and make something and see a finished product. There's, there's an incredible amount of sentimental value. And like, I've seen Andrew's work and there's a lot of rad stuff. (laughs) And so for this project to be the one that sticks out is it shows the power of experience. And it also goes back to that previous conversation where you you can just be nice for five seconds. You know, the, the power of experience, the power of connecting with other people, like more than anything, humans are emotional creatures like it or not. I pretend I'm lost in numbers all the time, but the truth is the numbers make me feel things. So it you're, we're emotional mm-hmm. and that's how our memories are brought back together. A scent can take you right back a moment, a project. And so lean into those things and I don't know, make some memories, make some memories. Okay. I know that your time is precious. So I'm going to get a little more juice out of you before I let you fly sure. free and then change the world. I, <laughs> What was, what would you say is one of your most refining moments in this process? Hmm. Um, I I honestly don't know. Um, Can you give me a little bit more context? Like, so you have gotten better and better. Yeah. And what was the situation that really pushed you to become better? Situation? Um, I think that knowing that there are other people in Edmonton who do fantastic work Mm. and still having people come to me I think that's huge like that makes me want to continually get better um and you know even if I've I've had people say that they're they're shopping around which I mean obviously that's that's what you should do when you're making a big purchase um, and when they ultimately come back to me, that really does kind of light the fire um, to make not only their product the best that it can be, but anything else that I produce um, thereafter, just just the same. Excellent. And what has something you what what is something that you haven't built yet that you're like, I'm going to build that. That is something I'm going to make. So I have yet to work with a live edge, live edge slab. <gasps> yeah. So I've had, you know, I've had a few people reach out, but the cost of it compared to just like dimensional lumber that I could buy is just, you know, threefold. So people do get kind of scared away by the price. 
Um, so that's something that I, I haven't done yet that I would really like to do is like a big slab dining table. Oh my God. That would be so fun. I'm a big fan of, um, I love a live edge, mm-hmm. love a live edge. That would be super sexy. Okay. Well, listeners, you've got a year and uh, find, find a live edge project and don't be afraid of the cost. Those things are the sexiest things. I, I mean, if furniture can be sexy, that is a sexy, sexy piece of furniture. <laughs> like- and the story that goes with it too, right? Like the, you know, it's a, a tree that's been cut down, slabbed into that. You have a lip, a part of that tree. Um, and it's kind of the most natural state that it can be in forever, which, uh, which I really like. So juicy. So good. Okay. Before we leave, I'd love to know some takeaways or tricks or tips. So like people who've listened to your journey, listen to your story. What do you want people to walk away from this conversation knowing? Um, I think the two things that were for me that stick out the most are don't be afraid to learn a new skill. Um, you know, it's not something that I've ever felt like I was born to do. Um, it's something that I did once and I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. Let's, let's explore that a little bit. Um, and it doesn't matter how old you are either. So yeah, don't be afraid to, to learn a new skill. Um, and then the second would be kind of mixed together, I guess, would be don't be afraid to take risks and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, I've, you know, I've had to start a project over because I, I got to the close to the finish point and was like, oh, that is not what it should look like. Um, and so learning to, to either fix something and make it better or to just start over, there, no, there's no shame in making a mistake and, and then learning from it. Keep going. No shame in mistakes, man. I don't know about you, but the times I've learned the most are the times I've messed up the worst. I'm like, well, that did not go as planned. I was, uh, I was about to deliver. My dad came over to help me load and deliver this big eight foot, uh, white Oak dining table. It was for a, a realtor in Edmonton and he's just a great guy. Both him and his wife were, were fantastic. Um, and so he comes over, he's, we're ready to load it, pick it up, probably weighs, I don't know, close to 300 pounds. Like it's a a big table. The the white Oak is so dense. Um, and so he gets his edge on edge of my truck. And as it like go, as we go to flip it down to lay flat, my side drops out of my hand and boom, smashes to the concrete. So literally like we're on our way to deliver this table to this guy. And now I have to phone him and be like, uh, so I just dropped your $4,000 dining table. Um, <laughs> and so sorry about that. So like, that was a moment for me where there might've been some swearing involved. Um, literally turned around, walked into the garage and just like took a deep breath let a, a good solid F word uh, and then came back and, and kind of assessed it. And I think for me, I was ready to blow up. My dad though, he was like super calm. He's like, Hey, what do we need to do? Like right away. He's like, what do we need to do? How do we fix it? And I was like, okay, uh, well I could cut off this corner. No, that's not going to work. I was like, I need to cut this board off. Cause it was, it had kind of landed on its edge. So mm. it was just one board that was really damaged. What the edge of the table so he stayed there. We cut off that board. We milled up a new one. We glued that one on and, and, uh, and was ready to kind of move to the next step the next day. Now it was a few days delayed, obviously, but uh, it took what could have been a huge pain in the ass and made it not as bad. So I think, yeah, being careful not to overreact to things either. Yeah. And like have a sober second thought. 
Like, mm-hmm. again, we are emotional creatures. We I was emotional. A, <laughs> we have a limbic system, right? Like it's, it's, it's designed to support us. It's designed to help us through situations. And sometimes it's not as helpful as we'd like it to be. And so when you're in it, when you're in your junk, you're in the, you can't see the forest for the trees and you're, I mean, blinded by frustration, rage, anger, sadness, whatever. Uh, sometimes even joy can be blinding someone else who's like, Hey, what's the next step? Okay. Well, what's there, there's gotta be a next step. I could sit here and be angry for a bit. I mean, feel the feelings, like get the rage out. You don't necessarily want to use a saw when you're mad, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it sounds like, you know, you, you did what you needed to do, regrounded yourself and found a solution and three days late or a few days, whatever it was for what could have been like a $4,000 loss Mm -hmm. is it. I mean, there's always a solution. There's always a way out. It's usually through and there's a way of fixing it. And it's just being resourceful. Well, I kind of, and it's funny, like I saw myself in my dad there in a sense, like I'm used to being at school where I'm helping kids navigate whether, you know, a perceived bully on the, on the playground or, or a legitimate one, or, you know, them getting frustrated with a math problem or a science question, whatever it might be, like helping them find strategies to work through things and not let that anger kind of cloud what they're going to do next, the next step. I was that kid in that moment, like. I didn't know what I was going to, I was so pissed off at myself. Um, And so for him to kind of be able to say, dude, chill out, like, you know how to fix it. Let's just do it. Like it was, uh, it was kind of cool that in that sense, it wasn't cool in the moment, but uh, looking (laughs) back at it, it was good. That's amazing. That's amazing. Excellent. Um, I think I had one more question for you. So we talked key takeaways. I want to hear what was the most exciting part of your journey so far. Uh, exciting part for me, I think is the end product. So when I kind of finish something and it's done, ready to be delivered, and then I bring it to the person's house and I get to see their face light up, like when it's what they want, um, for me, that's been the most exciting thing. Like that, that will never get old. And it's the same thing with helping a kid work through a math problem and their face light up when they get it, like that will never get old. So for me, kind of those parallels between my two career choices, um, that's that's definitely the most exciting part for me. It's all service. The my process friend. is all- great, like building and, and learning new skills. Those I love that too. But um, when I see people get excited about the things that I'm delivering for them, that's uh, yeah, that that for me is the best. That is so fun. I am so excited for you. You must be so proud. Like you must be so proud. That's incredible. You've done such great work. You've taken it, such a journey through your whole career. And I've got to witness so much of it and a willingness. I mean, I think you've demonstrated curiosity throughout your entire experience and playful curiosity allows you to do so many cool, rad things and make cool things and serve people in a, in a way that really can touch, move and inspire them. Yeah, and, and innovation. It does. It does. Ah, yeah. Well, what a lovely conversation. We'll encourage our people to continue to learn new skills and take some risks and, you know, keep going even when you drop really expensive tables. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all solvable. It's all solvable. Excellent. Any final words? Uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, I'd definitely reach out if you have anything in mind. Uh, I'd love to work with uh, a whole bunch of new clients for sure. Wonderful. Again, it's Andrew Loshin. He is the owner and the creative genius behind Molly Wally Woodworking. You can find him on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. And if you don't know where to find him, I follow him. So you can just look through my followers. I, 
it's an easy way to find people. And that's all. Thank you so much. What a lovely, another episode of the Be Better podcast. Thank you again, Andrew. It was so much fun to have you on today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If this podcast has landed with you, served you, provided value, or you believe you know someone that it will do that for, please share it, leave a review. Thank you again so much. I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care.